This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. From the southern point, point, most point of torn, I not been doing it in a while, too. The lands have always winter when west of Westeros and the shadows of the east. This is Casterly Talk live from Terrace Lane to Memorial City to uh, any elven home that you want to go hang out in. I've got that suck. Live, live, live. I've been, I haven't been doing this for a while because Alden Diaz has been holding down the court Doing the Willow Wednesdays, the Willow uh, deep dives and discussions with Nikki Kumar and so many other wonderful people who joined during the season. But we're here to do a little bit of a news catch up, fun little uh, short uh, show tonight, uh, because clearly, Alden, I'm not prepared to do it. <laughs> You've come out of, of, of self-imposed exile. You're returning. It's like, you know, at the beginning of Willow where he was like, I don't know if I have the magic. And then by the end, he totally did. <laughs> There you go. Uh, I I feel like Joe Ed Whaley has sat down and said, "You're you're you're not a good podcaster. You're not. You're not. You're not." <laughs> Walk back to your village. Take them underground. <laughs> it's been so fun to uh, catch up with Willow via your eyes, your soul, and all the wonderful folks that uh, came in here to hang out with us. And you'll see them mm-hmm. back here on the show, as well as uh, some of our Game of Thrones favorites. Don't worry about that. Uh, we are just kind of. Um, Catching up, a lot of things to get to, Alden. But first of all, before we dive into House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, and yes, some of the news is a little old, but it's our chance to catch up since we've been concentrating on Willow and giving that show its just uh, attention over the last uh, eight weeks or so. Uh, we do want to continue to talk about Willow, the behind the scenes, behind the magic 33 minute or so documentary on Disney Plus dropped. And I think we should talk a little bit about it, Alden. Yeah, absolutely. This was something that. It wasn't a surprise, but in terms of the the general flow of the Lucasfilm stuff on Disney Plus, it, it almost caught me by surprise because I expected an Andor one to come first, and there hasn't been an Andor one, which in my mind makes me think that Tony Gilroy was like, "Get that Disney Plus crew out of here! Get get them out! Um, I don't want it. I'm not I'm not sitting down at a table." Um, yeah. So they did Willow <laughs> immediately after the show, which was great. And when the trailer for this popped up, it immediately set the tone because the trailer was very honest about the fact that at least part of this was going to be a bit of some kind. And it yeah. was about 50% joke. Um, it's not like it, it like everyone's in on it. Like, it's not like it's like goes yeah. into prank territory or anything. Like it, it, everybody's making a heightened version of the group, especially of Warwick and the Lucasfilm executives are in on it. The department heads are in on it. The guest stars. Um, but it was really heartfelt, really funny, and and my main takeaway is consistent. Like it, mm-hmm. it is the documentary equivalent of what the show is for fantasy TV. That's a, that's a great starting point on it. I, I love what they did with it. Now I'll say this up top, and I think you agree, and I'll have you chime in right right at the top. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind a forty five minute serious doc, a serious meaning just an actual look at the show, a little bit more in depth interviews with cast and crew. I think we got some wonderful moments. We'll talk about those. But on the other side. I absolutely love the Warwick Davis-led kind of parody mockumentary style. Warwick, you and I were talking off air. Warwick Davis is just top of the pops with that stuff. 
I, I, one of my all-time favorites of, of, of playing a swarmy version of himself is Steve Martin, Saturday Night Live or interviews, something like that, even the stand-up stage. Uh, and Warwick, he's right there with him, just playing Warwick Davis, a-hole. And I love that part of the doc. Yeah, I agree with you. I would love a more in-depth dive into specific choices, into the different directors, into breaking down the story, things like um, Jack Kilmer's involvement with his father, bringing back Joanne Whaley. Like, There's lots of in ins and outs that I would love uh, to know more about, and hopefully they have the rest of their uh, intended run to get that kind of stuff out there. Hopefully they have a celebration panel, really crossing my fingers for that. Mm. But in terms of what they did choose to do, it was just like the commitment from everybody uh, from the top all the way down from Michelle Rajwan, executive producer of Lucasfilm, all the way to, uh, you know, the, the trolls, like just everybody involved with this, uh, the prop department having fake security footage of Warwick breaking the wands, mm -hmm. leaving Ellie Bamber on the street and refusing to drive her to work. His war coming in on his Segway, like he's a like he's just a consummate Hollywood a hole. Uh, it, it all felt really good, and but it knew when to pivot out of the joke and emphasize what mattered. I mean, it was a Lucasfilm documentary and a Disney Plus documentary that made the active point yep. several times at the end of we didn't think that we would ever have gay characters mm -hmm. on Disney. They use the phrase on Disney a lot. It's like they had the license to just be honest about the fact that this is catch up in a lot of ways. Yeah. You had uh, Omar Chad Patel saying, I didn't think that there would be a brown uh, Indian rogue, funny rogue character like Harrison for now. Yeah. And so it knew when to take it seriously. Um, and it just mm -hmm. made me already nostalgic for a show that's been over for like a week and a half. <laughs> I think what you're, you're summarizing is, is, is like you said earlier, what the show, the vibe of Willow uh, that when it when it wants to be jokey, it's jokey. When it needs to be serious, it's serious. And this doc kind of uh, captured that feel. And then it, you know, not unlike the teaser, uh, not even the teaser trailer, but that teaser kind of behind the scenes thing that they showed a while ago, where Warwick yeah. was in the cast and uh, you know playing dumb that he didn't know who Aaron Kellyman was, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I love that vibe. Yeah, and then the important moments there. And you're right. And I guess if you're out there, you you could look at it cynically that Disney Plus or, or Disney's like, yeah, yeah, keep saying, look, look at what we've done now. But I, I think it's important to acknowledge what they did and how important it was. And I'm okay with them taking that win, even as a company. And it's I'm not here to root for companies, but it, it was a win. So I think the doc celebrated it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it gave everybody, I think, a, a way to shine personally and comedically and creatively, because that's something that the modern era of fandom stuff has been really good about because we have such an easy eyes into everything. Every show has a behind the scenes. It reminds me, we're, we're here live. I There's a Rings of Power one that I forgot to watch. I just remember that that exists. Um, so I'll have to watch that. Maybe we'll talk about that with Rachel or something. Um but yeah, so you just real had people watching. You realize that I was having a thought live. Um, but the the <laughs> the Willow the, stuff, uh, like uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, like actual light bulb moment. The moment Alden realized he didn't do all his homework. Um, but yeah, that what they've done so well, particularly with Lucasfilm for years, is always make you really like the people, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. concept artists. That's like the other things don't really have that. It's mostly been Star Wars and indie that. We got to know Kazan. We got to know, obviously, George. We got to know your Doug Changs and your Scanlins and your uh, David David W. Collins, who was the sound director on this and is now going to be on Mandalorian, we announced yeah. today. And so being able to do that with the cast and crew here, you know, people like Debs Patterson, who's one of the directors, she stuck out to me as very funny and very cool. We've chatted with her on Twitter a little bit. 
she started doing documentaries. She did the Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker Legacy doc, which I think you just rewatched the other day, right? I, I, I did not know that. I did not make that connection. Yeah, Holy she directed that documentary, and then she does Willow. And it's like she stayed in the family. And so it's just it's cool to get to know the the human beings as well. You know, that's something that I think we we like, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I always say it's it's a Star Wars tradition. And, and not that you don't know, in other Star Trek doesn't know some of the people behind it. And, you know, I'm not even just talking about Ron Bear. I'm talking about just, you know, set mm-hmm. spiders or, or, or creature props department people. But, like, that's a Star Wars tradition where yeah. you know, Joe Johnston, Phil Tippett, uh, Dennis Muir, and that, that whole gang, John Dykstra, became celebrities for us growing up, especially uh, in, in my time in the 80s. You knew them. You knew those names. And that had not really been celebrated widely before. So to see it carry over to Star Wars with John Kasdan and the whole gang, gang there, it was real fun. I recommend if you haven't had a chance to watch it, take a peek. It's about 33 minutes. So it's a good lunchtime treat. Do you want to sit down? Yeah. And watch it? Mm. Absolutely. And I think that it, it's not an indicator of whether there's going to be a season two, because that's a big question right now. Ron Howard said the other day that they're talking, but no one's sure. Uh, Kasdan has alluded to the fact that things are kind of janky up top right now. And so unless you're a MCU film, that's kind of like everybody's waiting um, for their news and then and, and their resources and allocations and stuff. But you've got Rejwan and people, saying we think john's a genius and and we love this and it was incredible and everything so if 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 more if morale could spend you know could spend as cash i feel like they would be golden i agree with you there the streaming world is is uh in flux for something that's still so brand new they're figuring it out and and i, I you know even if they if if god forbid they don't go with a volume two it, it have to be some kind of business decision upside uh, outside the pay grade of everyone in that doc. And, and we're looking at you, Bob Iger, but it is just kind of what it is. So we're all, we're all hopeful. And look, mm-hmm. we do have, you mentioned it earlier. I'd love to see something that started celebration, which they did do the last time in Anaheim. And what better way to confirm or announce a volume two than in front of a, a packed convention hall. Yeah. And it's so funny because looking back on the studio showcase panel from Anaheim in 2022, they, you know, they were still, I think, doing either the end of the shoot or maybe reshoots. Not everyone could be there. It was just Ellie Bamber, Aaron Kellyman, and Ruby Cruz. And it's like, we all knew Aaron Kellyman because of Solo. And then we saw these other two young women there and we were like, okay, like, you know, nothing, no disrespect, but we were like, we don't know you. Now, if they showed up, they would get the hero's welcome that they deserve. So it'd be great. Maybe they will. Seems like, uh, seems likely there. Um, April is just around the corner for Star Wars Celebration London. We will both be there. So we'll be uh, talking, uh, I'm sure, about Willow again some way or another. Let's get a little bit of House of the Dragon news. Again, for those who uh, didn't uh, join up top, we are playing catch-up on some of the news that we uh, hadn't uh, had a chance to get to while we're covering Willow here. And the first one, uh, although we got to go to House of the Dragon, season one, winning the Golden Globe for Best Drama Series. Now that's, we're here to celebrate it, but they beat Better, Better Call Saul, Ozark, Severance, The Crown, a lot of shows that I think even George R. R. Martin in his blog was like, yeah, I didn't fly out because no one thought we were going to win awards, mm-hmm. the Golden Globes. We can have a comment, uh, yeah, some comments about what those awards actually mean. But this was kind of a surprising yet big, and I'll even say somewhat important win for the show this early on. Yeah, my first two thoughts were watching the Globes that night. It's the first Globes in a couple of years. There's real life controversies. We don't have to get into all that here because it would take forever. Um, But I had my eye on it and I was watching the show. There are people that I wanted to see wins for. But during the red carpet, I was like, oh, they have the two Rhaenyra's and Miguel. That's it. 
they clearly don't think they have the momentum and HBO is probably not paying attention because they they would get everyone mm-hmm. at a table if yeah. they thought they were going to crush. Yeah. And then when they did, and it was just Miguel and drunk Millie Alcock and Emma Darcy <laughs> up on stage. And I was like, look at them. They, they clearly didn't expect this either, as George would point out. And yeah. then my second thought was, uh, you know, in terms of the win and, and you know, maybe maybe a win that they not needed because they weren't hurting, uh, yeah. but maybe a, a win that was sort of gratifying maybe for Miguel, who was on Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah. It's kind of like a, oh yeah, did we fall out of the cultural consciousness? Well, how about this? You know, yeah. we just, we just, we just, we just won. We're drunk in Beverly Hills and we're winning. Uh, yeah, again, I, I, I don't, I don't mean this too cynically, like awards, you know, what really are awards? They're fun. I think it's fun. Uh, the awards, uh, the awards season, the awards culture on Hollywood can be a bit much at times, uh, but I understand it. And w- awards still do mean something. They are definitely, definitely cred. And it's important mm-hmm. to um, to uh, nominate uh, the the right folks if you can. But it is a game. It is something uh, different. Yeah. Even Will McClain in chat saying, "I love House of Dragon," was surprising that better call, better call Salt didn't win. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's it's the way kind of it goes. But I think why I call it important is yeah, going forward with the show, maybe the creators we we know Sapochnik is stepping away, but maybe they have even more confidence. Maybe they'll uh, not feel justified like they don't know their own skills and skill sets and what they can do. But just I think get more creative, be a little bit more brave and, and take the show to places they, they want to go. I think I have an award on your shelf can make you kind of feel a little chuffed and I'm okay with that. So maybe Ryan Connell and the team as they build towards season three now, because they're uh, already uh, well on the way into season two, uh, not fast enough for my taste, get, get that show up. But you know, I, I think it's a good board to award to a uh, buoy. There's their confidence. Yeah. I think that game of Thrones itself speaks to the power or lack thereof of awards with the whole power resides where men think it like it resides like that, that whole idea um, is, is awards. Like they don't matter until your favorites win or like it's, it's, it's entirely arbitrary. I have moments every year where I'm like F the globes to joke. It's bought and paid for Academy politics. But then, you know, I'm going to tune in this year because I want to see uh, everything everywhere win. I want to see Kihi Kwan give a, an Oscar speech. And then I'm going to be like, this is the this is the pinnacle of the industry. So it, it entirely depends. And, and if that gives them that confidence, like you're talking about, Condal, um, who yeah. was a name that no one knew a year ago right. coming in. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's good for him and it's good for. I would imagine, I mean, I don't know how much HBO cares because they're HBO and they've probably got Golden Globes as their doorstoppers, but it's like, in a landscape where Martin has said, we've had to put some things on the shelf, keep some things off, not all these will go. Maybe it's like, hey, we just, we just won. We're still on top of our game. You know, give us that, give us that sea snake show or something like that. Yeah. Oh, please. Uh, Oscar film forecast. What a, a, a forecast to check in and talk about this. Is I don't think Game of Thrones ever won that globe. So interesting mm. how uh, House of Dragon did with its first season. The Globes tend to award new shows over returning ones. So there's mm. that there as well. And again, it's just something nice to know that it's there. The team, uh, you know, even like Eric Monroe says in chat, I'm still shocked. Lena Headey did never won. Yeah, wow. it's so arbitrary at times. Uh, it's about the campaigns. So, you know, we're looking at you, Shakespeare in Love. So. Uh, it is uh, it's, it's a weird thing, but it's a good thing heading into season two. On the show here, we will be taking some of your questions live. If you're in chat with us, please join the conversation, uh, hang out, uh, ask us some questions, speculations, the, th- the things we uh, think about uh, the next season, all that kind of stuff. One of the things we do want to talk about here before we uh, take a quick pause uh, so I can uh, catch my breath is uh, we were looking at uh, writer and executive producer Sarah Hess recently, uh, early January, teasing 
the characters Blood and Cheese in season two. For those who haven't read the books, we're not going to go too deep into the speculation uh, or just the spoilers of what it was, but it does mean that some big stuff from the uh, book, of course, that this uh, series is based on uh, will um, uh, show up, which will make some of those lore heads happy, Alden. Yeah, Blood and Cheese is one of those things where you see it happening right now with The Last of Us and with a couple other things. And it happened a lot with Thrones, to a point. Um, because, you know, uh, I don't know if you heard, but the show outpaced the books. Um, but for... Oh, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm. We're still waiting. Uh, but there was a period, and it happens a lot, it happens a lot with comic book adaptations, where people are like, "There's wait until you get to this. I, I don't want to tell you what it is, but just remember these two words, Blood yeah. and Cheese. And this is one of those things. This is a, a Red Wedding... A uh, purple wedding, uh, you know, a for the watch. Like it's one of those. Like, what are they talking about? And we're not going to get into what it is at all. Um, yeah. But just knowing what I know of it, and having talked about it a lot with, with, uh, with Andres, with Nikki, with a, a bunch of different people, uh, with our friend Andy from Force Friends Rewatch, it's heinous. It really is mm-hmm. one of those things where I think it'll be the talk of the television yeah. world for the next month after it airs. It's it's going to be grim. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yes yes uh and that is uh you can read more i always suggest you go to some uh of those uh wonderful game of thrones world of house of Dra- uh, world of ice and fire new sites like watchers on the wall and winterscoming.net they have more information there uh and if you haven't maybe maybe out there you haven't read fire and blood this is that point alden where i kind of wonder if you haven't read but you picked it up and you're like maybe i'll just get into it you might want to refrain from reading to the show wraps up uh and, and just kind of take the show uh, and take the surprises and take the big moments as they come to you instead of being waiting. I've I've experienced both with Game of Thrones. Uh, didn't read, then caught up and read way past and read it all and studied everything I could. And season four on, I knew what was coming. And it does change. It's uh, both fun, but it does change how you take in the show. So uh, I don't know. So what do you what do you officially recommend? Stay away from blood and cheese, right until the show. I I would say at this point, unless unless you left season one and you're like. I have to know the entire Targaryen history. I'm going to pick up the new illustrated one. I'm going to pick it. Like if you're going to do a full deep dive and it's just going to be one of a thousand things that you read fine. But if you are a show watcher only and mm-hmm. you're feeling the temptation to Google, don't do that. I would say, uh, cause you, again, it, not, this is not a slap against Martin at all, but he mm-hmm. can get, he can get pretty vulgar and pretty brutal and HBO might not do everything that he does. So yeah. it could change your expectations. There, are, There's one thing about Blood and Cheese that I'm pretty sure no network executive would allow anyone to shoot. I'll just put it that way. Um, yeah. And so it's so. like, if you expect that, I don't want that to happen to any of our viewers or their expectations, muddy their experience. So Yeah, I agree with that there. Uh, before we uh, get into some of the questions, we already got some great ones coming in here live. We do want to catch up with some of the rings of power news. This is going back a bit, but it's a couple of uh, items we want to talk about there. First one that kind of had popped up is was the news that uh, for uh, Rings of Power Season 2, Joseph Maul, uh, who of course played Adar is uh, heading on. He uh, sounds like we, we don't know the details. We never will. Sounds like maybe he decided, ah, I'm going to move on to something else, uh, which I personally respect as an artist. Sometimes you like, cool, you've done it. You want to try something else. Mm-hmm. I have a tendency to jump around a project. I'm not comparing myself to him or even call myself an artist, but uh, I get creatively bored easily and I want to move on and I've done it. I've moved past it on a good mm-hmm. uh, that's why I'll never do uh, movie news again. Uh, so I <laughs> get it from his point of view. Uh, but we love this character. We loved his performance. Mm-hmm. We also love Uncle Mention, let's be honest. 
Uh, Alden, uh, your reaction to his leaving. And then we got the casting of Sam Hazeldean from Slow Horses in the role. Yeah, I was I was pretty bummed about this because I loved what he brought to the role. And because by happenstance, by just what I gravitate toward, I, I love a gothic tortured character. I, he was one of my most quoted. He was a character that I thought about a lot. He inspired my uh, he inspired my most recent Dungeons and Dragons character. Uh, one of the most nerdy things that I've said in a while. Um, own, but own. yeah, I, honestly, right. This this is the channel to own it. Uh, but. It, it, it I again, but the creatively though I understand it, and it's not like Adar's not going to be there. The writing is the is the bedrock. That's the foundation. Like if you give me more scenes with you know the the new Adar, I'll mm-hmm. get over it quickly. Game of Thrones had a few recasts. Um, other shows have in the past. Different Marvel things have had recasts, so it's fine. I'll get over it once I get another uh, incredible dialogue scene like Adar had with Galadriel. Um, in terms of the Joseph Mall of it all, I wish him well. He he's posted a couple things um, that have really shown the the passion that he put into the role on his Instagram. Uh, a couple of his captions, he's gone in depth about the work that he put into it, the studying, and there's been some speculation, like you know, a couple people with you know loose lips of maybe was salty about some stuff that was left on the cutting room floor. I think maybe his son alluded to that, something like that. Um, and it's like I get that maybe that was the final straw but he he's playing it professionally like he's an actor he's not a young actor he knows how it works Um, if he said that in private it's irrelevant to the fact that I still enjoy the character yeah no it's it's look it's what's on the screen that matters in the end of the day and and you know that's the process you you write it you shoot it you edit it and and that's uh, all all of those are three separate um, um, steps to, to complete the project and, and you know, acting in, uh, as well. So yeah, I wish him well. Uh, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. Cause some of his scenes were, were the most affecting in the show for me. The ones that just made you ask yourself some tough, tough questions about what you thought about this land and, yeah. and what they were doing the character, but we have a new performer who's going to uh, bring a take in and you're right. Game of Thrones is a great example. Uh, you know, the mountain recastings, uh, you know, were a little different feel, I think, but uh, you know, uh, looking at uh uh, some of the 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 more uh, high scale like, uh, on the show. Dario, the big one. Dario, yeah. Uh, and, and Dario and, was like that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, and, and, and I'd say an improvement. Ed Skeen, I, I apologize. No, I would agree. I would agree. And that one is a great example visually because of how it's not a good example visually. Does that make sense? Like, I think mm-hmm. that with Adar, I know they're going to take it's Sam Hazeldean, correct? Yeah. They're going to take Sam Hazeldean. He's going to have a long black wig. He's going to have elf ears and he's going to have the scarring because he is a, yes. a Morian deer. Like he's a certain type of elf. He's got a certain costume, a certain weapon, a certain glove. He's going to fit that. Whereas for whatever reason, when they brought in new Dario, they gave him a beard and let him have shorter hair. And they didn't, they didn't even attempt to give him the same long hair or, or, or look. Yeah. Even though they have very different faces, I would have thought they would have told him, okay, you need to shave. You need to have a long wig. And they were like, nah. So if, if I can get over that, I can get over this very quickly. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I was just watching uh, some stuff on, on, on Game of Thrones uh, in preparation for another project I'm working on. And this was uh, focusing in on that switch in the casting. You know, first of all, Dario in the books is obviously way different. A lot of people are like, where the F's the purple hair? And I mm-hmm. thought, maybe, maybe there's a chance to kind of lean into that. But they went the other way. And I can tell you, you know, you grow a beard, you look different, you feel different, you act different. So I've been different for years with this scruffy mane. So uh, Dario with the beard, different guy, different vibe. Different. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So we wish uh, Joseph Mall best, and I, I look forward to seeing what he does because he's so good, and that means in two shows that I love, he's had a, a small role and yeah. uh, probably equal screen time as Adar and Benjamin. And now yep. we'll see. Uh, maybe he'll show up in another franchise. There you go. Well, he'll get there. We'll, he'll get the Star Wars one day. Uh, so we also Sith had Lord. The, Sith Lord would be good. Uh, season two of Rings of Power will have three directors at the helm. Just three. I can't remember what was the total last year. Three, four? Three, three. I think. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, should have done the numbers there. Uh, Charlotte Brandstrom, who did direct last season, uh, three uh, mm-hmm. episodes six and seven, and uh, Sana Hamry and Louise Hopper, or excuse me, Hooper, more likely, uh, two elves there, uh, are going to be sharing the directing duties throughout the second season. Uh, Brandstrom will be taking on uh, more of the episodes four of next season's episodes. This is pretty good. It's also a uh, record-setting a uh, fantasy sci-fi show uh, mark here with uh, three women leading the charge here all and uh, this is good news for celebrating around these parts absolutely three women uh on the roster and then the entire roster is them uh directorially of course uh uh the showrunners are uh Payne and McKay and then they're great and but to to be able to take this step and to not question it to just believe i think says a lot about um the leadership and, and it says a lot that they trust uh brandstorm to, to expand her role in terms of the show i think she did fantastic work uh on the on six and seven last season those were some of the most gripping episodes i mean you've got the the entire the coming of mount doom in her episodes and the way that the storylines right. all converge and so she's got a great sense for this world and i, I look forward to seeing the other talent uh get to find their way in this and see what they gravitate toward and what they don't. Cause that's some of the fun in the same, we talked about Sapochnik with HBO and how he became the battles guy. You'll start to see sort of how people's um, strengths start to come to the forefront in different ways. Um, and I like that they're uh, expanding this out. And I like that they're bringing, you know, women to a show where so many of the prominent characters, including at least for season one, the main character Galadriel um, what was a woman, and that was a perspective that was needed. And when you have showrunners that are men, and the and the pilot was directed by a guy, and you know, after a while, it's like you got to lean a little bit into yeah. the necessary perspectives. I really support it. It's not just for the uh, sake of diversity behind the camera, uh, you know, perspectives behind the camera. It's also just eventually this will just be like wallpaper, right? You won't even notice it. Hopefully, one day that it's just like hear the names. Uh, but for right now, I, like we said earlier with the Willow, it's a win. And you take those wins, and I, I love what they're going to do. And to your point of, of Gladrill and some of the other main characters to to have their perspective on it, it worked. It worked for House of the Dragon, too, where you had some of the tougher scenes that I think have handled, um, not just, quote, handled by men, but handled the way Game of Thrones had dealt with the season, looking at, like, mm-hmm. the stuff with Millie Alcock and, and, and uh, uh, Matt Smith. Like, if they... Not to not have that perspective could have really damaged those scenes. To not uh, go yeah. in from a female point of view would have damaged those scenes in the wrong hands. Uh, and so I, I like this decision for Rings of Power. Absolutely. I think it's very necessary. We had Claire Kilner doing some of that stuff over there and Sarah House, who we mentioned, and it, bringing it over here. Not that Rings of Power, we're not saying it has the same sort of tightrope to walk because it doesn't. Um, but it, it requires still a different type of touch and, and, and it's something that we want to see now, especially as it looks like 
some of the women, not only are we going to have new women um, joining the cast of characters, but some of the women we already had are going to have expanded roles. Some of the stuff that was teed up. So Galadriel, obviously her journey will continue and it will continue until the end of this age of the, of the mythology. But you, we had Disa on a cliffhanger with Durin. Right. What's going to happen there with her? We had Nori leaving home and starting her proper adventure. We had Aarian and everything that happened uh, at the end on Numenor. And there's a, 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 a Bronwyn and what happened with them what are they going to do now that their king that they just crowned is gone and her yeah. as a yeah. matriarch and a, and a local leader and and uh Queen Muriel and Queen Regent sorry Queen Regent Muriel yeah. what's going to happen with her she's been blinded she's vulnerable like there's all these things that are there that it's going to be really valuable to have other people in the room for I agree with that. All right, let's uh, reset here for a second. Uh, we got some of your questions coming in, so stick around for Casterly Talk. We are going to answer your questions live here on the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are having some fun here tonight, hanging out with all of you live. And this first question comes from Brennan Marr, Brennan Mystical Marr. Thanks for the super chat, helping to support the show and the podcast. If this series, uh, we were talking about House of the Dragon when he asked this question. Uh, if this series ended the way the Willow series ended with rock songs, what song would play at the finale of House of the Dragon? Whoa, that's a, we're looking for years in the future. And for the record, I, I understood that that Willow decision was, different for some folks and didn't work yeah. for everyone but that's one of those things where i'm like totally get it i loved the choice and i loved the songs uh the old rock dj and me uh, appreciated that but so looking at house of the dragon to the finale is there one rock song that you have in your mind that pops right to your head or they're all see okay you said you think seriously i thought you meant the finale that we just saw brennan if you can clarify because oh, i was clarify. thinking about season one finale that's what i was thinking okay okay but that's good. Oh, but if yeah. you have a, if you have an answer for the entire show, please. Okay, yeah, uh, for the for the show, I'm gonna go with my my band, uh, my guys, Oasis, because I'm still mad for it. Uh, I, I want Live Forever to play right at the end because Targaryens mm. want to live forever. So the Targaryen yeah. dynasty, that's gonna play some. Can he be there? You know, Liam Gallagher snarling through the mic for it, or it can be a, some cover version. That's where I go with that. Uh, I, we'll I love that because of the dramatic irony of us knowing they did not live forever. Like Ron Howard comes in, like they, they, they fell 170 years later. Um, yeah, it's interesting, right? The entire show, I'm not quite sure, but for the season one finale, two songs came to mind because, okay, season one finale. Thanks, Season Brennan. one finale of, of House of Dragons. So Renera Starry. Okay. I mean, let me yes. recalculate what you meant here. Okay. So Luceris has just, you know, uh, been unalived as the kids say uh he's just been e eaten it's brutal and and she gets the news and damon is telling her and she turns toward camera rhaenyra mm -hmm. emma darcy their incredible performance and then i'm trying to think i i, I feel like the first thing that came to my mind is nothing else matters would come That's on pretty good yeah and That's i think that you know the, the the slow intro and then and we're in the credits and you get the wailing of nothing else matters i also thought maybe mother danzig's mother 
that's good. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be all right. <laughs> I'm trying the, the slow burn, the slow burn. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the band, but I grew up with them being at the top of the charts. And so I was surrounded by them, but, uh, uh, welcome to the jungle by guns and roses. Mm. Uh, the slow bird of her, you know, you know, the news is coming. So the song could fade up slowly, slowly, mm-hmm. slowly. And then when she turns, maybe you, you, you hit. And uh, then for the beginning, the down, 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 down. That's where the credits, that's where yeah. you get the, you know, <laughs> directed by blank and the, the, the <laughs> condol and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's such a, I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised now. Honestly, people in the comments, if you like to edit videos, let's start making these. That turn to camera is so good for a needle drop. It really, um, is. it really is. We got yeah. laser bolts said another one bites the dust. That would be good. Andy Hodge is saying bad blow by Taylor Swift. Uh, there's some cool covers of that song out there too. So yeah. that'll, work. that'll work too. That's great. I feel like Taylor Swift lyrics have become such a popular thing for people to connect to pop culture. And I don't mm-hmm. really know her catalog that well. Um, but yeah, that, that song in particular, I do know. I mean, it's just, it's perfect for the scorched, relationship i think between yeah. allison and runira um particularly since they were teenage girls at one point which is you know that's the audience that taylor built her empire on in a lot yeah. of ways so yeah it's very interesting to think about uh see now see the problem with, with music questions and me we had one in four center recently that stumped me as well because you know literally i've been i started my career out in the 90s as a rock dj have pop rock and radio now so now i have 14,000 songs in my head and I'm trying to choose the right one. And I will obsess over this for days until I get it mm-hmm. right. Until I get it right. That's a yeah. great question. Great question. Yeah, a really good question. It's fun to think about. And it just, once again, we've talked about it. Everybody watching can go back to our discussions and we'll talk about it again. I love the fact that it ended on just a look. It's so powerful. Uh, it's, 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 it's a wonderful ending. So it's, it's a golden globe worthy ending there. Uh, there, uh, there we go. Eric Monroe, what Willow series character uh, do you think would fit best in the world of Game of Thrones? I love those kind of crossover questions. Mm. Well, my first thought is I don't want to condemn anyone I love from Willow to going into Westeros. I had that thought too, like, well, you know, we can't send Willow, uh, he's too pure, mm. he would get treated heinously. We can't send, uh, we can't send any of the kids. We have to send Borman or Allagash, I feel like. <laughs> Borman, Borman comes to mind because I would love to see Borman in a room with Cersei. Like, but she, <laughs> she needs something from him and enough to where she can't just, you know, kill him. She can't have him just destroyed. But he's going to mm-hmm. be Borman. So it's almost like the the nun, I don't need the sexual tension there, but like like Euron, when she was kind of frustrated slash disgusted with Euron, but she she needed something from him. The so little yeah. bit of that dynamic where she just because you know, the way the way Tyrion and even like Bronn, the way they just kind of befuddle her and that 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 one season two moment where she actually breaks and la- laughs. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about leaning giddy breaking, but the character just kind of like the wall comes down and she laughs at something. Tyrion says, Oh, you're funny. Oh, you're funny. I, I love that dynamic. So Borman's a good good choice. Yeah, you thought similarly to me. Cersei would probably be there for some of this, but I was thinking about Borman taking Oberyn's role when Oberyn briefly had a seat, the Dornish seat on the council, and just yeah. like how he's just a thorn in Tywin's side and how he just is this charismatic guy that comes to town. And I think that, or, or doesn't even have to take Oberyn's place. If you had Borman and Oberyn together, yeah, that's a team up. That's a dream team oh. right there. That's a that's that's a good one. 
Allegash is good. I love Christian Slater. I have for a long time. I've made no uh, bones about the fact that I think Young Guns 2 is the greatest movie of all time. And Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh uh, is uh, one of my favorites, even though he's uh, you root against him. Uh, but yeah, Allegash is uh, 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 the, that, that fit. Like him and Braun competing for stage time, so to speak, in the world mm-hmm. would be fun. It'll be fun. That's a yeah. great question. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, those would be my picks for sure. Again, everyone else, uh, I wouldn't do that to them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, definitely not Willow. I just get don't want him in that world. Like even you no, know, Tyrion can only protect you so much there. Uh, and then all all the kids, I just they they all have hopeful futures. So you know, we already have a sand snake crossing over. You know, she could she could fit back in the world. I guess there. right. Of course. <laughs> this question again: If you're watching live, you want to ask us some questions about House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, World of Ice and Fire, Rings of Power, even Willow. Uh, or professional wrestling in all of this, Will McClain, uh, <laughs> honor of the Royal Rumble this weekend, my favorite WWE event. Uh, what House of the Dragon or Rings of Power character would be best in it? Oh, man, this is almost similar to the Rock question. There's so many <laughs> ways to look at it. I definitely I definitely think Jade would be solid from Willow. I'm going to yeah. toss her uh, them into the mix uh, as well. Um, I know Will McClain didn't say Willow, but I'm going to include that in our coverage there. Jade would be great. Um, now, again, just- this is a this is a loaded question because as as we both know, lots of different kinds of Rumble success. Yes, that was my next question. You know, you're never going to see a, a, a giant go over, right? So, you know, one, one might be who I'd put in there, but I don't know if he's, he's going to go over They're They're going to, you know, he would get the Kane eliminations record. Yes. But then Mm -hmm. nine, nine, nine people would toss him out. Hound would be, I definitely would love to see the Hound come in uh, at number one. Yeah. And then number two would be the mountain. Uh, Hound and mountain starting it. Yeah. I think that would be great. Kick them off. And then, our number three entrant, our first mm-hmm. after the intros entrant, who goes three to thirty and wins the whole thing is Arandir. He's Ooh, got that yeah. Yeah. baby face energy, Elven stamina, the agility. Uh, oh, I think yeah. that'd be great. And that's how you do it, and and you book it in a way where he 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 starts strong, and then he's he's in the corner, he's he's almost eliminated, he's hanging on, uh, you know, uh, and, and then he he rallies to get the big win, and and you send him on to Mania, and. He, and, and and he points. He does the the, the mania point sign. That'd be great. Yeah, That'd be he lovely. points at the the like Mount Doom or like the Eye of Sauron. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Sauron's champ. I feel like Durin would do well. Um, I think that uh, it, on the House of the Dragon side, I mean, I, I could see the final two people being Arondir and Damon. I think yeah. Damon's one of those people where it's like he's he's dastardly. Yeah. Maybe he goes under the ropes and then yeah. comes back and backstabs somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are, these are great options here. Uh, yeah. And then um, I definitely uh, would definitely love to see young Rhaenyra go in early and survive. Uh, and then, you know, older Rhaenyra come in and eliminate her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. To start playing with the, the different ages, the different castings. Yeah. That, that would be really fun. Um I also wonder if there's a spot, uh, there's a fun half comedic spot with Sir Eric and Sir Eric, where because oh, they're identical yeah. twins, they could, there could be some fake out stuff going on. What do do? They do a switcheroo. Eric yeah. Monroe saying, has to go with my boy Stannis. Yes, yeah, Stan. <laughs> Stannis. <laughs> 
There was this period of time in the 90s, the the not glorious 90s of WWF back then, of when, like, the Royal Rumble would have, like, uh, you know, Dirty Dick Slater would show up and some old-school NWA wrestler that only, you know, us who were getting the newsletters really knew about or trading tapes, yeah. and, and everyone else was like, Who's that? And I think Stannis, even though we know Stannis, Stannis would be like, who's the grizzled old dude with no chance to win? And and that yeah. and then Arts Brienne would be there to eliminate him. Stannis comes out. He's got Melisandre with a mic in his face, and he says, the Royal Rumble is mine by right. All who oppose me are my foes. <laughs> yeah, then you know who I want? Who's uh, 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 Mord, right? Game of Thrones. Uh, the season two, uh, season one, excuse me, the the, the Sky Cell Keeper up oh, in the year. Oh, yeah. He would be, he would no be my, goat. yeah, uh, he would be my bushwhacker, uh, Bush was a bushwhacker Luke that went right over in like a second, yeah. just marched in. Uh, he would be my comedy spot too, where he'd come in and eliminate himself because he's confused. Uh, yeah. oh, there we go. Will McClain says, Sarn can do the Mick Foley spot with all his, <laughs> <laughs> great. it's our armored Sauron is cactus Jack, dude. Love is, is Halbrand. <laughs> Uh, and then <laughs> mankind can be Halbrand with his dark hood. Yeah, that's that's, that's Halbrand's music. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, see, we we could we could turn with this. Could, we could. I I've had with my friends. For those that don't know, I worked in in and around professional wrestling for about uh, fifteen years or so. And my friends and I would have conversations about Game of Thrones in wrestling terms, completely unironically. Just that's how we would communicate. Uh, and now so-and-so did the run-in on the match and they put this guy over it. And then so the worlds collide mm-hmm. so well. I could talk for a long time about this. Great question. Well, a uh, couple questions left here. If you've got some questions, get them in here before we sign off. Oscar film forecast. Check out their work there. In honor of award season, who do you think was the best actor, actress in world in House of the Dragons or GOT? Lots of political manipulative acting going on. Ooh. Mm. ooh see? Okay. Hmm. I tell you first names that came to my mind: okay. Best Actor and Best Actress nominees. Okay. Best Actor nominee: Otto Hightower. Best yeah. Actress nominee: Marjorie Tyrell. Ooh, that's I want to be the queen. Yes, because I think everything she does is true. I think that's even the nice things, helping the the, the kids mm-hmm. following the, the the Battle of Blackwater Bay, all that stuff. It's real, but is it? Is it, you know, how far does yeah. it go? What she, what she, I think it's a great choice. Being That's able it. to be nice to Cersei to her face in front of all her handmaidens and all Kicking that. At her. And Otto's, Otto's, I, I like the auto choice. What's, what's some of your uh, qualifications for Otto there for the auto decision? I like this one. What I love about Otto is on a rewatch, you have to wonder at what point, and it's something I remember bringing up in our discussion that I still don't have an answer. And I think the point is that you never do. At what point, and maybe it was a point before the events of the series. Did he stop loving this man as a friend and start thinking about Viserys mm. as just an avenue? You go back to episode one. Episode one at the tourney. Emma is still in childbirth. Things haven't gone wrong yet. And you have the uh, Lord Baratheon calls, uh, uh, you know, he shouts out, the queen that never was to Rhaenys. And Viserys kind of brushes it off and he's like, you know, he's like, you could have his tongue for that. And Viserys mm. says, you know, let them wag and won't change the succession. He's talking to the guy that will change the succession. Otto will be the one that does that. And at, did Otto already have these ambitions in mind? Did Otto already have ideas of, uh, you know, if, if Emma doesn't have a boy, 
I need to put Plan Hightower into motion. And we'll never know the truth about when he changed because he pushed for Rhaenyra that night is, yeah. is, the, is the irony of their showdown is that Rhaenyra, this person that he hates by the end and wants to defeat, he created her despite Damon. And we'll never know where this guy, I mean, did he, he pretended to love his own daughter in some ways while he was using her? That's okay. You won me over. That's, that's some great choices there. Uh, you know, it's easy to look at some of the the bigger names like the, the Varys and, and the Baelish, and, and I absolutely think they, they're, they'd be up there. Mm-hmm. But they're they're so good that everyone, you just kind of know, anything Baelish says, you're like, this is BS. But I have to accept it. So you're probably acting, so it's like he's he's so good at his job, you just kind of naturally don't trust him. <laughs> There's a part of me that wants to say up to a certain point in his life, Ned Stark, because Ned Stark had to act like that was his kid for a long time. <laughs> A it's a great time. choice great choice uh, and to internalize real yeah. he, he was method he had to internalize real scorn <laughs> from his spouse and from his his people yeah. um and real awkwardness and shame and dishonor and use uh, that for the performance i love that that you could almost say melisandra uh literally she had a little help she had some props uh both a necklace and some some, some potions there but uh, i think uh, <laughs> she, she put it down there as well uh, I have that's an answer. Yeah. I have the Daniel Day-Lewis of Westeros mythology, of, of in Martin's entire world, Jacques and Hagar. Well, there, yeah. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> By don't default. Yeah. Because there's part of me, it's like, well, 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 Arya a little bit later on, but it's like, yeah, they're, they're totally, they're they're in character. Like what was, you know, Lady Gaga spoke with an Italian accent for 18 months for preparation. <laughs> like that's Arya. Like just just uh, doing her thing there, so that's a, that's a great question. Fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a, a technical question, a, a programming note question. Eric Monroe, any timetable on the Thrones rewatch returning? I can't wait for episode four hundred eight, one of the few big episodes I watched. The group, yeah. So I don't ever, I don't want to do false promises. We're, we're very close. Uh, I, I'm so thankful for Alden being on the team with me here and helping run this thing, but also for Willow and him leading that charge. It gave me some uh, time to pull back from from Game of Thrones, bring some power, and just concentrate on some other things. Trying to do some stuff on Force Center and the YouTube side. Uh, my uh, sports card ASMR channel, trying to do all this kind of stuff. So I haven't been able to focus on Game of Thrones, and I want to be able to. So inside a couple weeks, it's 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 in my mind every day. It's on a big board of things I have to get to. But that that requires sitting down and watching the episode two, maybe even three times, just kind of soak it all in and go over notes. But uh, I want to get to it. I want to get to uh, that episode with Alden. Andres Cabrera wants to uh, come back. So that one, and, and you know, so soon, Eric, you've been so patient. It's been a long time. I mean, it's been about a year or so between episodes, but uh, once they're all done, they'll be there to take in as a playlist. Uh, so soon, but I don't want to, I don't want to give false hope. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't want to create expectation. And on the plus side, I will say this is planning way ahead. When the Game of Thrones rewatch is done, then we could do a house rewatch. Then we could do a rings rewatch. We're going to revisit Peter Jackson, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And let me tell you, Eric and everybody watching, there will be another Game of Thrones rewatch. Like <laughs> at, at some point, we'll get back to them. And because uh, I mean, it, it, we're, we're going to be rewatching that show forever. I'll be rewatching yeah. that show till I die. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's so weird. I, I had um, about to rewatch Mandalorian, and uh, you know, there's mm-hmm. something comfortable about rewatches. And I, even though in the middle, I'm in the middle of this. Game of Thrones rewatch for the show that's on a big pause. I was watching again some clips. I was watching this video for this other project I'm working on. I saw some like season two stuff. And I was like, God, I love season two. I might just I just might watch season two again. So it's always in our blood. It's always in our blood. 
Mm-hmm. All right. On that note, we're going to start getting ready to sign out here. Just a fun little checkup episode. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much. Uh, if you're listening here on YouTube, like. If you're new to the channel, subscribe. Do all those wonderful YouTube things here. We're not going away. Got a lot to talk to, lot to, lot to talk about, lots of people to talk to, Alden. Uh, we might be working on some interviews down, down the line in this year, all this kind of thing. So uh, just bear with us as we uh, launch into 2023. The Willis stuff is there. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Can uh, go back and take it in. All right. So Alden, final words from you. Uh, my final words are I'm upset that we're not going to have th- these shows this year, possibly, maybe, hopefully Rings makes it, um, but we're going to have plenty of adventures in the meantime. There's stuff that I'm kicking around. We're going to nail down some ideas and uh, yeah, the, the march toward London begins with the two of us, but we're going to be keep keeping on, keeping on here. Is that English? That's proper English. I'm going to go with it. That works enough. Yeah, check also yeah. YouTube Shorts. I got some. Uh, I got some figure reviews here on the channel, ready to go. Uh, come in February, uh, working with Gentle Giants and stuff. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. We are here, and we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about all these shows, all these worlds. And thank you all for making it happen. We'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk. Bye. Mm-hmm.